right. Welcome to the first episode of the Women in the White House podcast. We are so excited that you're here listening to us, and we're so excited to be here. Our first episode today will be on Martha Washington, the OG First Lady. Really, the purpose of this podcast is to analyze their influence and actions on the United States and to have some fun along the way. Just to give you an idea of what this podcast will look like, today we're going to cover Martha Washington, but in the future... Um, We may cover more than one first lady per episode if their stories are relevant to one another. So regardless, we'll try to carry the thread of what the previous first lady left behind to the next. Um, But for some, that is more direct than others. So we will try to cover those women together. Yeah, so we're just really excited to be here. Allie and I have been best friends for a really long time and this is something that we have dreamed of doing so we're excited to be here we want to thank our families for all of their support and all their love um, and we're just ready to get rolling so yeah let's start just by introducing ourselves yeah go ahead okay uh, I'm Nicole I'm from Boise Idaho um, I love it there that's the dream place would love to be there again I'm currently living in Utah Um, I'm finishing up my undergrad in elementary education, and I start my master's this spring. I'm really excited about it, but also kind of ready to be done with school. (laughs) I really love studying architecture and history, uh, feminism, social justice, any of those things. I really love second wave feminism and Gloria Steinem. And some of my favorite podcasts to listen to are American Girls Pod. It's the best podcast ever. Stuff You Missed in History Class and Crime Junkie. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. I, um, I also love Crime Junkie and other podcasts that I listen to include um, Alan Alda's podcast, Clear and Vivid. Um, and then, like, my guilty pleasure podcast would be Bad Friends with Bobby Lee. Um, <laughs> it is awesome. Um, I'm also from Boise and I'm currently studying Montessori and I will graduate in June, uh, with my certification in ages two and a half to six, um, other things I enjoy doing in my free time, uh, include FaceTiming Nicole, um, (laughs) (laughs) spending time with my family. And I also love watching documentaries or studying things like true crime and architecture specifically like mid-century um and i also enjoy like the kennedy family and the history of comedy like the stand-up scene in the 70s and things like that so i think that's like all there is one more thing i will add just to give our listeners an idea of who we are when we were in high school our favorite activity to do together (laughs) was going on mid-century home tours on Saturdays we did sometime in the future maybe as soon as you move back home (laughs) we will be going to go every every month that they hold a home tour (laughs) yes they're awesome I think it's also on our list both of us at least I know for me to own a mid-century home someday oh definitely that's um that's that's a prereq for purchasing a home. There will not be a home <laughs> purchase unless it is mid-century. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, like we mentioned, uh, Martha Washington this week, 
Nicole is going to share the details that she has um, accumulated about Martha Washington. And then I'll take the lead next week talking about our next first lady. But for now, I will hand it over to Nicole and let her run with it. Right. I'm excited. Okay, so let's just start out with some quick facts. Martha Washington was born June 2nd, 1731. She uh, is a Gemini, which fits with her personality. <laughs> um, she was born Martha Dandridge. Her parents were John Dandridge and Frances Jones. Um, she grew up in Virginia at a place called Chestnut Grove Plantation in New Kent County, Virginia. Um, when she was little, she enjoyed riding horses, gardening, sewing. And an interesting fact about her is that she gained an education um, in math and reading, which is something that wasn't common in the 1700s for girls. So do you know why she why that happened? So she grew up in, I would say, an upper middle class family. And so they had the means to send her to school. And her dad thought it was important for her to know how to read. So as she grew up on the plantation in Virginia, her parents owned 15 to 20 enslaved people. And so slavery was something that surrounded her throughout her life. And I think that that is pretty typical of other upper middle class families in the area and in America during this time. Yeah. Um, a quote that's from mountvernon.org, which is a fabulous website if anyone is interested on in learning more about Mount Vernon. It's a great resource. Um, a quote that I liked on there, it said, along with land, enslaved people became the basis of property for Virginia planters and a sign of wealth and status. So along with the land, enslaved people were also a way to show that you were wealthy. Um, at the age of 18, she got married to Daniel Park Custis, and he was 20 years older than her. <laughs> So, wow, quite an age difference there. He was very well off, very wealthy. Um, and in fact, when he and Martha wanted to be engaged, his father said no at first because Martha wasn't as wealthy and he didn't think that she was suitable. However, after meeting Martha, he said that she was so lively and that, of course, he would let his son marry a woman like that. So kind of a cool thing Martha. about her. I know. Props to Martha. Um, Securing the bag. So Daniel Park Custis was very well off. He had 17,500 acres of land for his inheritance and 300 enslaved people. So something interesting is that his plantation home was actually called the White House. And so Martha really did live in the White House. <laughs> um, so within her realm of this first marriage, she really filled the house with ornate things. She liked to buy dresses. She liked to buy things to decorate their house. Um, and she liked to host parties. That was something that the wives of the wealthy did often was host parties and have people over to their house. And so that was something that she did a lot. She already had a lot of experience with children because she was the oldest of eight. And so rearing children was something that she felt passionate about. She had four children. Unfortunately, her first two died before age five. 
which actually was pretty common. Um, 60% of children born in this century would live to 20. So that's a 40% fatality rate, which is not great. That's just mostly, that's a shocking statistic to me because if you consider now, um, I mean, it's modern medicine, but it's also hygiene exactly. and yes. prenatal care yes. and, um, you know, just the gifts of modern life that protect us from that statistic. Yeah. But I'm sure for her, it may not have even been that shocking yeah. to lose that many children, which is unfortunate and interesting to consider that perspective because it's not, it's simply not the world we live in when we consider, you know, having a baby. Yep. Yeah, we don't have to worry about those things as much. Um, something interesting about her children is they all have the middle name of Park, P-A-R-K-E, because um, her first husband's grandfather said that only those with Park in their name would be in line to inherit, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, what would they do? Like pick a kid they didn't like when they gave birth to it and be like, you're not getting that middle name. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> She must have liked all of her children. Then. Yes. <laughs> um, so her oldest two, again, died before five. But the other two children, John Park Custis, who was called to who was called Jackie and Martha Park Custis, who was called Patsy, they survived. And after her second daughter died, her husband, Daniel, became very sick. He died in 1757. Um, by all accounts from people around them, it's, they said that Martha and Daniel had a very happy marriage. And so Martha was left alone, 26 years old, two children at home to raise. And she was also left with all of Daniel's inheritance. And so it was common in this time, if you were younger than 30, to remarry and to remarry quickly um, because you needed help and so she began looking for another husband um luckily for her she was able to find a match that was for love rather than for financial reasons because obviously she was already taken care of she was left with 300 enslaved people 17,500 acres of land and about $52,100 so wow yeah that's big money <laughs> big that's big money. money for the 1750s yes. or whenever yeah <laughs> yes is it 1750s yep. by now yeah, yeah. because yep. okay so yeah so she was a high roller <laughs> and um lady. yes so it's kind of lost in history how george washington and martha washington met um there's some speculation that they met while she was still married to her first husband but no one actually knows but he the uh general military man from the french and indian war learned that martha washington was now a widow and began making frequent meetings to her plantation and she (laughs) she obviously was taken aback by his height he stood at six foot two inches and martha only stood at five feet even so there's quite a height difference there. <laughs> wow. Yes. So when they decided... She was only five feet yeah, tall. Yeah, she was so small. <laughs> That's so interesting. I never... You know, when you see a portrait of somebody, 
like from old timeies, you just see their top half. You never see a portrait of them next to yeah. anyone, so you would never you would never be able to deduce yes. that. Wow. Um, but the average height of women then was only five two, so she was just a little bit okay. below. But yeah, George Washington was very tall, and so their <laughs> their height difference was quite apparent. <laughs> um, so really quickly, I just love um when they decided to get married, Martha Washington really should have had a prenup drawn up right she was this wealthy landowner and she had a lot of money to her name and it was common back then for women of wealth to get prenups but she she said that George Washington was too trustworthy and too kind that she didn't feel like she needed one which is it's kind of sweet (laughs) it is sweet and I think it um I think it kind of from what I know, and I'm sure you'll go into this more, but it that is something that carries through the rest of their relationship. Yep. That's yes, yeah. yep. Um, on one of the sources that I consulted for this, they said that their love was passionate and timeless, and I thought that's Aww. yeah, that's pretty. I want those words to describe my marriage. <laughs> um. <laughs> so anyway, they got married, and George Washington assumed the role of the father of her two remaining kids. So how old were her children at this point? They were three and five. So So they were Mm -hmm. so little. Yeah, so George Washington really, I mean, he raised them um, Mm -hmm. and just really assumed that role of the father. Um, He also took on the estate and the enslaved people and the land. So... He took over that. They did not have any kids together, but they had six grandkids. So just prior to the start of the Revolutionary War, her remaining daughter, Patsy, died. She was only 17 years old. Um, That was really hard for her. She was lonely and her son had gotten married. And so Martha was really, really pretty lonely. They moved to Mount Vernon, which George Washington inherited. But then he left to go fight in the Revolutionary War. She, it said that she nursed him through the war. Every winter from 1775 to 1783, she would join him at winter encampments. Um, and she did not see him the rest of the year. So I can just imagine how lonely that would be and how, you know, how excited she would be to go see him in the winter. But also how difficult that would be to see him in that situation. Um, and it's so it's so different, you know, than now. If you had a traveling mm-hmm. partner, um, the luxury of FaceTime, yes. and the luxury of other things, not waiting. I imagine they probably wrote one another a letter yes. every day, and then we're not able. You know, you get the response from two weeks ago that she had written, but there's no really direct correspondence yeah. there. It's kind of reports back yeah, and forth. Yeah, so it's so. said that women in this time wrote about four letters per day. Just of everything wow. that happened. So four, four letters, letters a day. day. I know. But then they didn't have Netflix to occupy <laughs> them, so they were just writing letters to their boys all day long. But then I think of like how many texts do we send in a day? Like thousands. Oh yeah. So yeah. it's actually not hard to imagine writing four letters a day, I think. So, yeah, kind of, kind of cool. Um, so her remaining son, John Park Custis, died 
and she kind of got into, I'm going to use the word quarrel, but I'm not sure if it was that dramatic between his wife um, about who would, you know, care for the kids. She wanted to see her grandkids um, and eventually she was granted that right. And so she took care of the grandkids and was their guardian. And so were all six of their grandchildren from him? Yes. Yep. Except the okay. four oldest died. So there was just two left. Oh. Yeah. So a lot of death in this time. A lot of. So many dead children. Yeah. It's kind of not a great time. Kind of don't love it. <laughs> um, so George Washington became president in 1789. And they moved to New York and then to Philadelphia. And this was an interesting time for Martha. She. Uh, was accustomed to slavery. She thought that it was the natural order of things, and she uh, refused to release her slaves, even after her husband, George Washington, did after the Revolutionary War. It was something that she was comfortable with, and so when they moved to New York and Philadelphia, it was kind of a hard time for her because she had to learn how to take care of her own house and take care of of her grandkids. So that was kind of a trying time for her. Um, After he was, he moved on from being president after his second term, they moved back to Mount Vernon. And um, then that is where George Washington died in December of 1799. So they had a little time in Mount Vernon together again. So after George Washington died, written in his will was that half of the enslaved people that they owned on Martha's inherited plantation would be free. And in 1800, in January, so about a month later, Martha feared for her life. She thought that the remaining enslaved people would revolt and she was worried that they would kill her. And so out of fear, she released the other half of the enslaved people. So, um, about two weeks before she died, I don't know if she had an inclination that she was going to die or maybe she just was feeling unwell. Uh, she took all of the letters that her and George Washington wrote to each other and burned them. She didn't want anyone to, you know, make a, a spectacle of them. She knew that they would be important in history because George Washington was the first president. And so she burned all of them. There was only two that she did not burn that were written to her from George Washington right before he left to go fight in the Revolutionary War. And it said that she probably just felt such a strong connection to those letters. They were quite um, filled with love that she couldn't burn them. So I imagine that would be such a hard thing to do as well, um, to want to preserve the sacredness of that relationship. But to know he was already gone, and those are kind of the last words Definitely. we have from him, um, to burn those letters is a very yeah. unselfish act. Um, something else about right after George Washington died, she closed the door to their bedroom and never went in again and started sleeping in a, a bedroom on the third floor. So. Yeah, she died later, about two years after George Washington, in May of 1802. So, yeah, quite an interesting lady. Obviously had her faults, right? But she 
she did set a precedent for first ladies. She held a weekly reception on Fridays each week for anyone who wanted to come. She would invite everyone to come over for refreshments and mingling with her and George Washington. People were very fond of her. She was a great party thrower. And again, she just had beautiful dresses and beautiful ornate things. Those were things that, that she liked. Um, some titles that people have given her were Lady Washington and Our Lady President S. <laughs> so those are kind of fun. <laughs> so hopefully I didn't just bore you to death with a lecture. There are some pretty cool things about her. I mean, I think that that overview of her life gives us several things to yeah. talk about. Um, I know we already talked a little bit about the letters, but I had a thought um, again about them. I said, like, it's so unselfish that she burned them. But at the same time, if you look at it from the point of history, it yes. is almost <laughs> selfish that she burned them. So it's that's so interesting. I mean, I guess it depends on kind of whose yes. side you're on. <laughs> when you when you look at that situation it's reminding me of hamilton um, you know <laughs> when she burns their letters everything and does. i think to some degree like those things are for you and in the case of hamilton right those things were maybe things that she wasn't feeling anymore so that's why she burned them but in martha's right. case they right. were just private they were just conversations shout out to eliza oh yeah hamilton, i agree best ever everyone be aware Allie and I love Hamilton we will throw in we will throw in uh references very often (laughs) if I was not deeply embarrassed I would be singing (laughs) me too but yeah she led an interesting life I mean we obviously can't overlook her ties to enslaved people and she never was able to see beyond that I think it's also interesting um to consider that you know she's a person who outlived Mm -hmm. all of her children um she's a person who outlived both of her husbands i mean to me it seems like her love with george washington was very special obviously to her they spent most of their i mean most of her adult life was spent with him and really quickly Um, i just want to note how admirable it is that george washington was able to step in and to be the father of her two children I just think that's very... And to later support yeah. her grandchildren, too. I think it's very admirable. Um, I just, yeah, I think it's interesting when you think about it, She's a person who has outlived all of these people, witnessed what I'm sure she knew was his, mm-hmm. you know, historic events. Um, I, at the end of my life, would probably want to keep as much yeah. of that for myself, too. She yeah. was very alone. Um very alone so it's interesting to try to put yourself kind of in that frame of mind certainly her ownership of enslaved people well and i think uh, she had she had opportunities to free them right like she george washington led that example and she chose not to follow it and do you know so after the revolutionary war this is just my brief understanding after the revolutionary war um, he began to question slavery and his his participation in it and what it meant for all men to be created equal. Um, so he was truly, he yeah. was truly, analyzing. and I think he was he was taking that introspective thinking and like putting it into action, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, after he returned from the Revolutionary War, is when he freed his enslaved people. 
So I'm impressed by that. And I, uh, I wonder if that created discontent yeah. at any point. And I, I, I wonder if maybe some of her letter burning uh, came from not wanting the world to know that she felt that way. If she ever, if she ever started yeah, to change that could be true. her life. And at one point she had defended. I think that as well. Um, she was not, <laughs> was not cultured in the way of how to do things around the house or, you know, how to survive without people doing things for her. And so maybe that led her to, you know, feeling like she had to. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very so that's a little bit about Martha Washington, the OG first lady and OG woman in the white house. Um, this has been so fun. Hopefully that was kind of informative. She was an interesting lady. Um, and yeah, she was, she was the first. So I'm so happy that we got to talk to her today on our first episode. I agree. And, um, just to finish off our podcast today, I found some articles brand new as of four days ago, as of October 8th, 2020 concerning Mount Vernon, George Washington's estate. Um, in Virginia, currently, a piece of the of Mount Vernon uh, is for sale for sixty Whoa. million dollars. It's right on the Potomac River. Oh, that's it beautiful! Very, very beautiful. And yeah, it's up for grabs at sixty million dollars. So, uh, it's the most expensive listing price ever in the city wow. of Alexandria, Virginia. Just yeah, very fascinating. It is not original to okay. Mount Vernon, so it's on the property, but it was built. It looks like oh, okay. in 2018. And they've done a really good job of making it look like George Washington <laughs> lived there or something similar. Although he never did and it didn't exist then. Interesting. But it is on his property. Uh, it has a movie theater and a swimming pool inside of it. I think they're getting away with that selling price because it's, it's on his property, yeah. On his estate. <laughs> but um, I wonder how many people are Yes, thinking into like. <laughs> By, by its appearance and its price tag, thinking that maybe I, um, I have to comment on that really quick. <laughs> this last weekend, I went to um, something in my town, and it's called Vintage Market Days, and I was so jazzed. I was so excited to go, and I did find some really cool pieces. However, <laughs> I also would say maybe every other booth that I went to I would pick something up and it would have a Hobby Lobby sticker on it. And I thought, are you kidding? (laughs) You're selling this for so much money. I had a very similar experience. (laughs) Yeah. I went, like, there's an antique mall. And I went this week with my cousin. And we were in a little store. And I saw some little ceramic pumpkins that I had bought at Target Ah. last year in the dollar spot for, like, two bucks each. And they had a sticker on them that said, original 1960s something, uh, $12 each. <laughs> and I was kind of like, mm, y'all are getting swindled. I, don't I felt like I needed my own personal um, American Pickers guys to come help me verify. Right? Or yes. like antiques. I needed them to come help like me verify. My skills are not that sharp, <laughs> but it was awesome. It was kind of an, an Maybe interesting someday. event. Um, yeah, it was really cool. So, yeah. Sweet. I think we did it, Nicole. I think Yay. this is the end of our first episode. Um, 
So I think that's the end of our first episode of this podcast. So I'm sure it isn't perfect, but it's our first one and it was fun. And um, my closing thoughts on Martha Washington, I'm so interested in the things I didn't know about her, like, you know, that she outlived all of her children and that she was married once before. Uh, those are things that I that I wasn't aware of before we started researching this podcast. So it, I hope it was as interesting for everyone listening as it was for me. So we'll be back next week with an episode about Thomas Jefferson, more specifically about the women in his life. And I'll let Nicole really close this up. Okay. We'll talk next week. Yeah, well, thank you all for listening. I just am, again, so excited that we're doing this podcast. Grateful for everyone that has helped us and supported us in doing this. Um, Again, I hope it was as interesting to you as it was to me. It was really so fun researching Martha Washington, learning about her. Um, I'm excited to find the common threads between these first ladies and women in the White House to see, you know, what things what things they've passed down to each other so uh with that i invite everyone to uh mask up and do what's right and to live your best life goodbye bye